Good morning. Greetings to each of you this morning. In Jesus' name, we're here to worship Him. And I was blessed, challenged, felt like it was a time of worship in the Sunday school class this morning. So we looked at time. And something stood out to me that in the lesson, I'm going to read those verses from Ephesians 5, where it talks about, See then as you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days of evil are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So we're to understand what the will of the Lord is. And then it goes, it says something else that could almost be seen as a change of subject, but I don't believe it is a change of subject. It says, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And that's part of what the message is about this morning. What is the will of the Lord? How do we know what the will of the Lord is? We talked about a week ago what God can do. Or two weeks ago. And in that message we talked about what the promise... Levi talked about the promise of the Father and then they expanded on that a little bit about God's work in us. The Holy Spirit working in our lives. And in Luke 24, 49, it says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you, until you are endued with power from on high. And so I'm continuing that thought this morning, some of, that, some of those thoughts. So this promise of God, this endowment of power from on high, this presence of the Spirit in our lives, This thing that God is doing in us. What's the point of that? What does God want to accomplish? The title of the message this morning is What God Wants You to Do. I'd like to go to Colossians 1. If you would turn there. Near the end of the message, we looked at a couple of verses in Colossians 1. I'm going to read those again. And I want to pick up on something in there that I didn't talk about in the last message. Colossians 1, verses 24 through 27. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is behind in the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Wherefore I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me, for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So in these verses, well, mainly what I focused on in that other message was the Christ in you part. That, that that's what the Gospel was. It was Christ in you, the hope of glory. And now I want us to go back and see what he says in those earlier verses. And Paul is, is speaking of his ministry to the Colossian church. And the focus of this passage is on that ministry, but the focus of what that ministry was for, he says, is for you. And he says that several times here in this passage. 
So that ministry that he was given of the gospel was for them. Who was the you? Well, in verse 24, he identifies who it was for, for you, which is Christ's body, which is the church. So Paul's ministry was of the gospel was for the church. And then in verse 25, he points out the purpose for you. That it would fulfill the Word of God. So he wants, he's saying that you, the church, will fulfill the Word of God. And that this is a mystery, verse 26, this is a mystery that's been hidden for ages, but now it's made known. So he's saying that, that I have a ministry to you, and that ministry is that the Word of God will be fulfilled in you. And that's through the Gospel, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So the Word of God is fulfilled through Christ in you. The existence and development of Christ in you. The Word of God is fulfilled through that. And God is doing this amazing work in you. And it produces, we talked about rivers of life. We looked at Jesus' words about rivers of living water coming out of that. And so I asked myself the question as I was thinking about this, well, what does that look like? What is living water in our lives? Well, it's what we do with our living. It's a, it's a life expression. We're living out Christ in you. And so it's what we do with our time. So what does God want you to do? What does He intend to accomplish? 1 John 2, verse 5. But whosoever keeps His Word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in Him. He who says He abides in Him ought Himself also to walk just as He walked. So Christ in you is to bring about walking just as He walked. Well, what does, what does that mean? Does that mean sandals and a robe? That's how Christ walked. Does that mean no home? No money? No place to sleep? That's what Christ said He had. Is that what it means? John 6.35 Actually, I didn't put that down, so I'm going to look that up here because I'm going to need to come back there. So You can turn there if you like. John 6.35 I'm sorry, 6.38 For I come down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of Him that sent me. So Jesus says, my walk, my purpose, is to do God's will. That was Jesus' walk. He walked that road in a robe and sandals because that was God's will. What does that mean for us? 
I'd like for you to turn to another passage in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 13. I love this verse because it's a verse that impacted my life tremendously. And I've wanted to preach on this verse for a long time. So I'm excited to be able to, to preach about this preach on this passage this morning. But what's interesting about this verse to me is I'm a real stickler about context. And there's a statement in this context that's not really it's it's true, but it's not really the context of the passage. We're going to look at the context and then we're going to look at the statement within the context. Because I think they fit together, but yet it's not really the it's not really the context. So I'm going to read this verse and then we're going to look at the context and bring it up to the place where we can talk about this verse by itself. John 13, I'm sorry, Acts 13, verse 36. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell in sleep and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. So this verse has a statement about David. Paul's making this statement, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in a bit. But uh, what I want you to catch here is what it says about specifically about David. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, it said that David served God in his generation. It's part of a larger context. And we're going to Go back now and start reading at verse 16. Then Paul stood up. Well, maybe I'll give you just a little bit of background for verse 15. Paul is, is teaching, or Paul and Barnabas are on their first missionary journey, and they're at Antioch of Pisidia. And as was the custom, they stood up. They, one of the men in the synagogue, leaders of the synagogue, stood up and said, said some things. I think maybe it says, um, And after the reading of the Law and the Prophets, the ruler of the synagogue sent to them, saying, Ye men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. So they came to the synagogue, and it was customary for them to read from the Law and the Prophets. And then if there was somebody new there from another area, they would give them an opportunity to say something. And so they're giving Paul this opportunity to speak in the Jewish synagogue, and that's the, that's the beginning of this passage. In verse, so in verse 16, Then Paul stood up and beckoned with his hand and said, Men of Israel, and ye that fear God, give audience. The God of this people of Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people when they were dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt, and with a an high arm brought them out of it. And about the time of forty years suffered he their manners in the wilderness. And when he destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he divided their land to them by lot. And after that he gave unto them judges about the space of four hundred and fifty years until Samuel the prophet. And afterward they desired a king. And God gave unto them Saul, the son of Sis, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, by the space of forty years. And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David, to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. 
of this man's seed hath God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. When, when John had first preached before his coming the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel, and as John fulfilled his course, he said, Whom think ye that I am? I am not he, but behold, there cometh one after me, whose, shoe, whose shoes of his feet I am not worthy to loose. Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, whosoever among you feareth God, to you is the word of this salvation sent. For they that dwelt Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, nor yet the voices of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. And though they found no cause of death in him, yet desired they Pilate, that he should be slain. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher. But God raised him from the dead, and he was seen many days of them which came up with him from, Jer from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses unto the people. And we declare unto you glad tidings, how that the promise which was made unto the fathers, God hath fulfilled the same unto their children, and unto us their children, in that he hath raised up Jesus again, as it is written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And as concerning that he raised him up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption, he said in this wise, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Therefore he saith unto his, in another psalm, Thou shalt not suffer thine holy one to see corruption. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep, and was laid into his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised again saw no corruption. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him all that believe are justified from all things from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. So, I'm going to stop reading there. But Paul gives them Paul's focusing here on the promise of God. And, and to lay a foundation for that, he goes back and picks up at Abraham. And he brings them up from Abraham. And he said, these are the things that happened. And as, as these things came about, God was working to fulfill His promise. In verse 23, it says, Of this man's seed, of David's seed, God, according to His promise, raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. And then if you look ahead to verse 32 and 33, He says, And we declare unto you glad tidings, how that the promise which was made unto the fathers, God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that He hath raised up Jesus again. As it is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And so he's, he's focusing in on this promise that was so precious to the Jewish people. He's saying, you are the children of Abraham. This was the promise made, and I'm revealing this promise to you. And Romans tells us that Abraham is the father of faith, and we are his children through faith. And that all is unveiled and uncovered to us through the person of Jesus. And then in verses 33 through 38, he uses prophecy to present that Jesus was the Son of God 
and then He rose from the dead. So He took those prophecies, mostly from the Psalms, and He said, these prophecies show you that Christ was to die and that He was to rise again. And His body wasn't to see corruption. And in verse 36, which is the one we looked at a little bit ago, that, that verse, He's making a statement about David and He's saying this shows you that David wasn't talking about himself in that psalm. When he said that thou shalt not suffer thy holy one to see corruption, we know that that's not talking about David because David died and was laid with his fathers and he underwent decay. He was buried and decayed. And so we know that it's not talking about David. It's talking about the promise. It's talking about the promised seed, Jesus. But along the way in that, in that plan that God had to fulfill His promise, there were people who were fulfilling God's will. Bringing about God's will. And you can see that specifically about David. And there's, there's other people here too, but it says um, in verse 22 about David that which shall fulfill all my will. And so David had a place in that plan of God. And because of, of God's testimony about David, that he was a man after God's own heart, that was the, the purpose by which he would fulfill all of God's will. And then you can also see it about John in verses 24 and 25. And it says about John the Baptist, it says, and as John fulfilled his course, so as he fulfilled his lifespan, his time, so John fulfilled his purpose. I'd like to read you then thinking, thinking about David and David fulfilling God's will. Let's move ahead now to, to verse 36. And I'm going to read it to you in the New American Standard because it comes through a lot clearer in that version. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid among his fathers, and underwent decay. And so David fulfilled the purpose of God. And I brought along a little something for an illustration. We're going to think about time a little bit again at this point. So, a culture is, is a, a group of people spanning about three generations. Roughly from about 80 or 90 years old down to, down to um, newborn. And the, this little button right here on this zipper bag is going to represent culture. The zipper's length is going to represent time. Okay? So we have this little culture here at the beginning of time that was established with Adam and Eve. A human culture. And that culture, as time progressed, began to move through time. And we come to Noah's time. Noah's day. And, and God had a will for Noah. What, did, what was God's will for Noah? That he would do what? And that was to build an ark, right? So, God's will for Noah in this little section of time within His time of life was that He would build an ark. 
to save himself and his family. We can move on through time. We come to Abraham. What was it? Abraham's mission was to leave his country and go to one that God called him to. To be the beginning of a nation. We can move on. We can come to Moses. Moses' purpose was to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt and to lead them to the promised land. And that was, for, that was his purpose within his span of time. We can move on. We can come to the time of David. David's time was a time of slaying giants. A time of war. It was a time of building a kingdom, a physical kingdom. But just one generation later, we come to Solomon. What was Solomon's purpose? To build a temple. A time of peace. We can move on through the prophets and they fulfilled... God's call in their lives. We come to John the Baptist. I'm using up my zipper before I'm getting to the end of time here. <laughs> come to John the Baptist. He fulfilled his course. He was to be the beginning or the one who made the way for Christ, who opened the door for Christ. Then we have Jesus coming and fulfilling the Father's will. Let's go back to the passage in John. John chapter 6. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me that of all... I'm sorry, verse 39. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me that of all which He hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of Him that sent me, that every one that seeth the Son and believeth on Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. Can we do that? No. Jesus has had a purpose that is far beyond what we can accomplish. We can't die on the cross for the sins of others. That was part of Jesus' purpose. And Jesus fulfilled that purpose. And in fulfilling that purpose, He, made a, he, he opened a door for us to fulfill God's purpose in a whole new way. But to fulfill that purpose, Jesus received something. John 3, verse 34. For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God, for God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. Jesus fulfilled the word, the will of God, and was the word of God through the Spirit of God. By the power of the Spirit of God. 
When he began his ministry, it says that he came to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. I'd like to think just a little bit now about the connection between the Spirit of God and the purpose of God. In the Old Testament, it talks about the Spirit of God being placed upon people. And for a long time, I thought that the only people that, that, that received the Spirit of God were one of three things, either a prophet or a priest or a king. And largely, that's right. But there is some other instances where God placed His Spirit on people. In those instances, it was when God had a specific purpose for them to perform, a specific thing, task for them to perform, He would place His Spirit on them. And so the, the Spirit of God is linked with the purpose of God, fulfilling the purpose of God. And that's how Jesus brought about the fulfillment of His purpose was through God's Spirit empowering Him without measure. And He brought about the plan to make the promise of the Father available to all of us, the Spirit of God. So what purpose, what's the purpose of that? And I got to this point as I was preparing the message, I was like, well, I haven't really answered this question yet. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid among his fathers and underwent decay. You see, for every person that has ever lived, God had a purpose for that person. And for every person that is here today, God has a special purpose for you individually. He created you with a purpose. What does God want you to do? God wants you to fulfill that purpose that He created you for. He has placed you in a special block of time among a special group of people for a special purpose. And His call in your life is to fulfill that purpose within this time frame. You see, David's generation was back here somewhere. And we don't... It's not... God's purpose is not for us to kill giants and go to war. God has a different purpose for us in the New Covenant. In fact, as I thought about this, I thought... You know, the current generation is always at this end. They're always at... There, there's no time in front of us in that sense. There's future. And all we can do is look back and see what's happened in time past. But the future is in front of you and God wants you individually to fulfill His will. And that's why He's given you His Spirit. And that's why He wants that Spirit to empower you so that you can live the kind of life that He wants you to live within the realm that He placed you.
And I think the challenge to, to me is, and part of the burden of this message to you is, that, that each one of us has to have an ongoing interconnected relationship with God, with the Word and with His Spirit to bring about our knowledge of what that will of God is within, that, within our lives. And other people can speak into that. And that's part of why the church is so important. Because it helps to keep us going in that direction. We're each individually to take what God says in the Scripture and allow the Spirit to, in, to indwell us and to direct us in our unique purpose. To bring about an even greater purpose. And Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians 12. Verse 4, And now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administration, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operation, but is the same God which worketh all in all. And then verse 7, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. In verse 12, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members are of one body, being many... Sorry, misread that. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bound or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit, for the body is not one member, but many. And so that gift of the Spirit and what the Spirit is doing in your life is given to you for the purpose of bringing it together into the body of Christ. And that body of Christ is also, in a sense, a culture. The culture of the kingdom. And the purpose of our being in this body is to build it up as time moves forward. My goal with the last message was to emphasize God's work in us. Part of my heart with this message is for us just to think about the privilege that we have to be part of God's kingdom and to have that work happening in us and to take personal responsibility to pursue that work of the Spirit in our lives through the Word. God and His Word do not change, but culture does change, tools change. What does that mean for us as individuals? It means that we're going to have to, at some level, adapt to those changes and still fulfill the Word of God. You see, one of the things that I've thought about is how different it was for my great-grandfather living here in America. He, had, he faced a, a very different society or lived in a very different society than what, I, than what I do. He had different tools than I do. 
I have some of my grandfather's tools. I don't use them. I look at them, but I don't use them because I have other tools. Ben understands this. I have different tools than my dad did. You see, my grandpa always used a handsaw. My dad used an electric skill saw, and I use a battery saw. You see that progression? But I have a purpose in my generation. And that's what was so powerful to me about that verse in Acts. David served the purpose of God in his generation. And each one of us is living in a generation. And God wants us to serve His purpose in our generation. God wants His church to be a living, growing organism that through those changes around us is a continually advancing kingdom in fulfilling His will. Using the opportunities that those changes bring to build the kingdom of God. And you individually have a vital role in, in being part of that living organism. May it be said of us that we fulfill the purpose of God in our generation. The Holy Spirit guiding us to live faithfully in our day and into tomorrow. May God bless you.